0: What's up, everybody? It's Rob Cruz, Transcending Sport. I hope that you are enjoying our human performance series. In the first two episodes, or the first two parts, I am featuring Rapid Sports. And now we're going into arm care. I see so many people getting hurt, mainly because of the lack of guidance that they've had or the misguidance that they've had throughout the course of their career especially early on, and that stuff catches up. And um, I want you to take a listen. This is something that is really, really a sensitive issue, and it could sideline you, and nobody wants to be on the sidelines for something that they could have prevented. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and go into episode number two, or should I say part two of our Human Performance Series, where we are featuring Rapid Sports in Georgia, and Dylan Wagman is our guest. Check it out welcome to the transcending sport podcast with rob cruz an audio experience bringing you interviews conversations and more from some of the most intriguing personalities in the sports world and now your host rob cruz Everybody, Rock Foods, Transcending Sport, this is our bonus content, we are talking human performance, we have Dylan Wagman from Rapid Sports, and we are talking about arm care, uh, specifically throwing, and I'm going to go ahead and say, any throwing sport, um, whether it's discus, shot put, javelin, you know, the movements are pretty similar. Uh, cricket. <laughs> I forgot about cricket. <laughs> um, but, um, but you know, I want to talk to you a little bit about. I want you to give us a little bit of, of information about arm care. What happens at Rapid? What do you guys do? To um, obviously, strength is a, because is a component of arm care, and and obviously, reducing injury. And then you have post injury. You know, re- rehabilitation and getting somebody back on the field, return to play. Um, are the all the categories that I think we should probably hit attack so um what are your thoughts on that?
1: yeah um excuse me so i'm I'm glad you said that that strength is a component of arm care because arm care is many things it's not just go do your band exercises and then a cool my arm is good like i'm fine it just it just doesn't really work that way um if you really dive into everything that can be a component of arm care um you know a a push-up can be arm care if you coach it the right way and know what what the movement qualities are of that exercise. Um, Obviously, you know, utilizing bands um, in different stretching or sort of mobility type of training, lots of things can be arm care. Um, So it's a very broad term and it's kind of a bastardized term, if you ask me, just because a coach can, like I said, just go to your arm care Um, and guys will just rip through band exercises as fast as they can get in and get out and think that, you know, they'll be good for their next start. So we, we can dive in a little bit more deeply about, you know, what arm care really is, but I think generally it's it's very misunderstood.
0: Hmm. So I have, a, I have so many players that I've worked with through the years that have, that have suffered from arm injuries. Um, some of them have led to surgery. Some of them have opted not to get surgery and play through it. And, you know, you know everybody, everybody has their reasons for why they do what they do and what decisions they make with regarding how they address uh, right. arm 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 issues and arm injuries. Um, in your opinion, you know what is the best way to prevent preventative measures. You uh, know, and I'm talking, you know, in my experience, I believe that arm care and injury prevention for arms starts with mechanics. Right. Um, at a very young age. You know, I was always taught, first of all, I was taught how to teach. <laughs> Which, right. I didn't just jump in there and start teaching people how to do, stuff, do things. I was actually taught how to actually teach it. Of course, I know how to do it. And of right. course, I know how to show someone how to do it the way I do it. But there right. is an actual method to teaching someone how to do things properly. And when you're taught how to properly teach, uh, you're able to get um, help athletes to stay healthy um, the term arm action comes to mind you know the term internal and external rotation comes to mind the term scap loading comes to mind the term um, acceleration and deceleration of the arm in the throw come to mind um, what, what, are, what are some of the things we're doing over at, at Rapid that can help to prevent injuries with athletes um, in the arm at, at every age level
1: right um yeah mechanics are huge um and this is what i'll say off the get go i'm gonna i'm gonna focus and talk about everything from the the preparation and training side of things because that is again that's what we do over at rapid um when it comes to the skill component of throwing go find a good skills coach because you're going to be really, let's just assume, right? That if you're gonna be really good at something, you're gonna be really good at at one thing. You know what I mean? You can't pretend to be a master at everything. Um, A jack of all trades does not go very well in an industry like this. So um, mechanics are obviously hugely important. If you have bad mechanics, right? And you do not transfer energy efficiently through your kinetic chain, then you're you're probably gonna get hurt somewhere down the line. Um, especially if you're not strong enough to support whatever movement abnormalities or inefficiencies you have. So from from our perspective of things at Rapid, I think that strength is your biggest arm care or injury preventative measure that you can take. The stronger you are, the less likely you, you will be to hurt at any point in time. Um, I'll, I'll take that from a, a bit of personal experience My senior year of high school actually tore my rotator cuff and my throwing arm and my labrum and my non-throwing arm. Um, I thought I did all the right stuff all the time. And it's just, you know, I didn't know what really the right stuff was. So I trained at Chrissy Sports Performance as an athlete right after my senior year of high school finished just in order to try to get healthy for college. And the best piece of advice that I probably ever got was from Eric himself. Um, we, We were just talking one day and I was just curious, you know, I, was, I thought I was doing the right stuff. I don't know why I got hurt. And he just looked at me as like a, you know, I was like five, seven, probably barely 150 pounds. And he said, no offense, but you're probably just weak everywhere. And I couldn't step back and I was kind of like, holy shit, he's absolutely right. Um, you know, if you're not, if you're not strong, then you can assume that the sport's going to catch up to you. There's so many repetitive motions and there's wear and tear injuries. And it's only a matter of time before that takes its toll unless you're preparing your body the right way um so i'll start with that saying that strength is huge the stronger you are the less likely you are to hurt um but then moving forward like that we're always making sure at rapid that we're we're doing things like preparing a rotator cuff to handle the load throughout a throwing season um we're making sure that our shoulder blades have the adequate range of motion to support getting into a proper arm slot to throw a baseball uh we're we're making sure that even as deep as our our thoracic spine has the right ranges of motion to support the shoulder blades moving properly. Um, Like I said, arm care is very broad, so many different things I can go into it, but I would say being a very meticulous coach, making sure that when somebody's arm is on the line, you're paying very, very close attention and taking good care of what you're doing. Um, And then just knowing the demands of the sport. What ranges of motion are athletes using? Which ones do you need to train? So if you want to dive deeper into that, I'd be more than happy to. But we could, we could go on forever about this, to be honest. So
0: you, you mentioned something about earlier, you said, find a good skills coach. <laughs> and I'm laughing because the average 15-year-old third baseman or shortstop on a travel ball team that plays 11 tournaments in the summer and they usually play three games a day, sometimes more. And they warm up three times a day, sometimes more. Right. It's throwing the ball a lot. A lot. And I'm telling you right now, there's no one working with them on their throne. In in a lot of in 95% of in those cases. In many, places,
1: many, many cases. Yep.
0: There's yep. nobody saying, "Hey, you're throwing wrong." And and if they are, and if they are saying it, the people who are telling them they're throwing wrong, when does she even have time to? hey, let me clean up my arm action. Let me clean up the way I'm throwing because this is an injury just bound to happen. Right. And, and these are things that I'm, that I'm noticing. And then let's say she does get with someone. No, let's say she does <clears throat> have the surgery or she has to sit out for whatever it is, two, three months after a really serious, severe injury. She's going to come back to throwing and she's going to throw the same way she was throwing.
1: Same way, same way.
0: And she's going to re-injure it and I see it too many times. So at some point, the people like you who are doing the, um, who are are in charge of the, or who are prescribing the arm care, you have to get get into the throwing part. You have to look at video of how they're throwing and you have to give them, you have to um, give them some ways in which they can adjust their mechanics. Because if right. you don't, um, they're going to they're gonna be on their and, third and fourth surgery by the time they're in for, yep. freshman in college.
1: So now for me, fortunately enough for me, I have a baseball background. See, the thing is that a lot of coaches don't have a baseball background and therefore can't relate to the athlete and have no idea what the demand of the sport is. Um, personally, I think I'm a very good skills coach, um, even though that's not my profession. But I'll, I'll put it to you this way. So I, I've had multiple athletes just this summer alone that have, we have a full-time physical therapy clinic um, in rapid sports and and the, the PT that works in there was the physical therapist for the Braves for years. So we're fortunate that we can work in conjunction where once the athletes finish PT, they come to us for training. And since they're baseball and they're coming back from either Tommy John repair or reconstruction um it could be a shoulder labrum a rotator cuff injury um those guys have to find time to do their return to throwing program okay and they use the space that we have in there and just you know based on my time that i do you know as a pitcher in college and and coaching over the years um i've been able to help those guys get into better positions to throw so they don't re-injure um but uh, the only reason I feel comfortable doing that is just based on my playing and coaching experience. If I didn't think that I was the best person, at least in the building, in Rapid, in order to get those guys back and coach them through their mechanics and technique, then I would do what I had to do to find the best guy to do it for them. Um,
0: Got it. Got it. And, and I think I think we owe it to the athlete if, because, because you, you want to be able to have them not come back with that same injury obviously right and you don't want them right. to go back to the same movement patterns the same poor movement patterns that got them in trouble in the first place and exactly. I think I think looking at video prior to the injury utilizing technology I mean looking at the video prior to the injury looking, yeah, at, the, looking at the release angles looking at the, 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 the uh, poor sequencing you know, and and obviously that main thing that you said earlier was strength, and, and you know, you know, just you gotta building strength around those muscles in the arm to support the, the range of motion and things like that, and the flexibility, and and the, so yeah, so this is this is great, man. So, <clears throat> um, so yeah, because you know you got so many torn labrams going on around here too. Kids um, are
1: getting hurt way too often.
0: I, I got a kid right now, a college player, who um called me the other day, and she's like. Yeah, she was on a throne program and now all of a sudden she's out. Yep. And I'm like, well what what the heck was going on in that throne program? Like you shouldn't be out.
1: <laughs> no, the whole the whole point of a return to throne program is for you to be healthy when you're finished.
0: Exactly. So, you know, it's just so much so much going on. Let's talk about in season throne programs and off season throne programs, why both are important and what are the differences in those programs.
1: So in season versus off season for us is is strength or performance coaches. So we're our goal is just to get the athlete to be physically prepared to perform. So that would be in the off season, making sure they will be ready, whether it's for us, we'll have, you know, going to minor league camp or big league camp or right now at the end of the summer, getting our college guys ready to go into their fall ball season. Um, During the off season, that that's our time where, we, we've had tons of wear and tear over the course of the season, okay? And, and now we have the, the lowest amount of throwing volume that we're going to have for the whole year. So now we have a chance to train the cuff. So the rotator cuff obviously needs to be strong enough to support the incredibly fast acceleration of the arm through the delivery. Um, so we're, we're training off-season is we're going to get a, a lot of our cuff strength work. So whether it's band or cable, external rotations, we might utilize some manual resistance. We might utilize some loaded eccentrics. Um, lots of things that we can do there for the sake of gaining uh, strength to the cuff. We'll, we'll use rhythmic stabilizations for, for timing of how the cuff fires um, in order to control it through the ranges of motion. The point is in the offseason, there's going to be much more volume of training the cuff because the throwing volume is at its lowest. So when the throwing volume is down, then the training volume goes up. Um, now let's assume that everything went according to plan. We got the athlete ready to go for the season. Now it's in season. So this is the mistake that uh, the majority of youth athletes will make is that they'll just, you know, all right, now I'm here. And now I did my off season, whatever. And now I don't have to worry about it anymore, but I couldn't be further from the truth. You still have to make sure you train, um, but volume has to just come down. So now that we're throwing essentially every day, Um, That is a lot of volume and stress to the cuff. So the rotator cuff is working, I mean, in overdrive through the course of the entire season. So now it's just about making sure that we maintain the ranges of motion and mobility we worked so hard for over the off season, so we don't get hurt through the throwing season. Um, So I would say doing your cuff work is gonna be probably on either off days, um, maybe days where we do a light pen, You know, if you're going out and you're throwing a seven to nine inning game and then you're crushing cup work after that Just think of how much stress the cup is taking in that one day Um, and There's there's only so much it can handle so Big difference here is off season We're training for strength and mobility Okay to get us to the point that we need to be and then in in season We're mostly trying to you know maintain that strength and mobility that we gain so we don't get hurt through the course of the season
0: How does my program increase what are the increments usually look like is it 20% more 30% more 40% more leading into the season uh leading into the preseason right and then the preseason into the in season and then so and then and then for a pitcher you know you have in between starts how long people some people are uh, long tossing in between starts some people may not long toss some people may throw like a little pen after two days if you're on a 4 day yes. if you're on a 4 day rotation if you're on a 5 day rotation or if you're a reliever and you pitch every day you, it's different so um much different what does that look like
1: um so And and it's all going to change based on the level, you know, the higher level of play you get to college and pro, you have a much more regulated schedule in season. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, youth sports, when you're playing a tournament every weekend and like you might have to throw game one and game three and then maybe close out game four, Um, things really start to, you know, become a mess at that point. But if we look at off season first, so once the guys get in, they've thrown so much that we kind of got to give the body a chance to just chill out realistically. So there's going to be, you know, passive restraints that that need to be restored. We have lost ranges of motion, um, you know, most importantly loss of internal rotations or deceleration through the throw. Um, working on just restoring those ranges of motion first, then strengthening over those ranges of motion last. Um, and then thinking that it's just a sliding scale. So. We need to start throwing more readily as we get closer to the season so as again that throwing volume increases then our training or cuff training volume starts to decrease you know they'll they'll each taper out accordingly um and then in season uh once we get there then again like i said we look to maintain but when it comes to actually throwing if you're a starter you haven't made a lot easier Mm -hmm. so if you're going to be throwing let's say you make your start okay on day one you're probably gonna rest and maybe you hit some of your cuff work on day two. Um, Everybody's a little bit different at what makes them feel better, but you're gonna have to assume that there's gonna be some sort of at least touch and feel bullpen one of those days in between there. Um, Probably give yourself a day to fully recover after a start. Maybe you throw that pen, you know, if if game day is day one and you pitch, maybe day three, right, you throw that pen. um, And then anywhere in between you know, two and four before you have that, that fifth day where you start again. Long toss is, I would say it's kind of more or less optional. You, you got to stretch it out, right? You got to be able to lengthen that throw out to, to develop some arm speed, arm strength. Um, but everybody's a little different. Some people are the guys that like to work out to, you know, 120, 130 and just throw through the ball and just watch it carry. Some guys like to get out to 200 plus and put some air under it. Whatever makes you feel better right there, as long as we're maintaining the integrity of our throwing mechanics. Um, i don 't really see an issue with with either of those uh, processes into getting you ready so it's a little trial and error there whatever you find out works for you mm-hmm. as long as you don't let volume accumulate so much that by the time we reach that start day again you know you 'd be fatigued we're just trying to avoid that
0: so I believe that um, people like driveline baseball and some of the other companies out there that are have, have been embracing technology and being able to, um, you have modus, um, right? MODIS is, is be, they have the ability through their sleeve to monitor the, um, the acute to chronic workload in throws, whether it's, whether it's, you know, bullpen or in game or in simulated games. Yep. And then you have driveline who's kind of changing You know what we call uh, pitch development, or or how we how we create a pitch. Right. Um, I wanted I wanted you to. to So if I'm a pitcher and I go and I throw a pen in between starts, how is that different, or how is that helpful or less helpful than if I throw a pen? In between starts, with a live catcher with a live batter, and and I and I think that's where baseball's going right now. Right. Where you're going to have more and more guys facing competition on both sides, hitters and pitchers. Right. Um, in practice, and I, I I want to I want to have a couple of simulated at bats. I want to have about seven, eight at bats. Or a, p- a pitcher might say, I want to throw to at least ten to fifteen batters in between starts versus just throwing a pen with no batter in right. between stuff. and you know and so what do you think about that how, how is that more or less helpful because sometimes you have a guy that has more stress and you know simulating the stress of in game
1: that's big time
0: you know versus oh I'm just gonna throw a pen it's, it's, right. so, it's so much more laid back and so much more passive in terms of what they're doing right so um what do you think about that
1: so I I think it, again it, it depends on the athlete um there's some guys that just cannot turn off that 100% intensity once they see a hitter in the box. Mm-hmm. Those guys probably should not be throwing to live hitters mm-hmm. um, just because they, they just really can't turn off that competitive nature. Mm-hmm. And not, not that you ever should turn it off completely, but if you're throwing a touch and feel pen and you're throwing at 100% intensity, I mean, you're, you're just not gonna recover before you get back on the mound to start. Mm-hmm. Um, there is 100% a different feel between just throwing to a catcher or even throw into a you know one of those fake hitters compared to throwing to a real live hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to simulating that that mental process of preparing for each pitch, for some guys that might be incredibly beneficial. Mm-hmm. As long as we have the ability to regulate our workload, our intensity, um, our volume as we're going through that pen. Um, when it comes to to the data, I mean the the ability to to sit there and say you know. I need right, touch and feel. So we have to make sure our pitches are creating the right types of movements and spins. If you can take Raf Soto and you can look at spin rate, right? My, my curveball is getting 2,500 RPMs, but my last start, it was 2,800. And if it was, that'd be incredible. Um, you know, then why is it not doing that? Um, and I know that a lot of, a, a lot of organizations now, that, I mean, they're using, you know, cameras, video cameras that are picking up frame by frame by frame. So you can specifically see your grip, your wrist position, the arm action, exactly what's happening on release. And now that pen becomes much more useful in creating that quote unquote, touch and feel. Yeah. Um, and I mean, technology, it, it has to be embraced. That's the way the game is changing. Science is constantly evolving and technology is evolving with it. You know, if you're not embracing the use of technology, I mean, you're going to get left in the dust. Mm. That's, that's a fact.
0: Tommy John surgeries are on the rise. Yep. Um, and the the Tommy John patients <laughs> are getting younger and younger. They are. Um why do you think that is?
1: I think uh sports specialization is happening at too young of an age. You know, when you have when you have a twelve year old that is pitching, you know. 30 to 40 innings in his spring season. He's pitching 70 to 80 innings in his summer season. He's pitching another 30, 30 innings or 20, 30 innings in his fall season. And then he's throwing bullpens all winter long. I mean, and the kid absolutely does not, you know, let's say he's 12 years old and he's, you know, 5'5 and he weighs 120 pounds. Like that kid does not have the strength base in order to withstand or sustain throwing volume over that course of time. And it's only a matter of time before he breaks down. you know, we talk about how in, in the off season, players need to rest mm-hmm. in order to regain lost ranges of motion, be able to develop strength back. You also have to let you know there's there's going to be minor wear and tear injuries that happen over a season. You need time to let those start to heal and recover. Um, and if all you do is throw all year long, you're not you're not getting any of that.
0: So the solution is what?
1: You let kids be kids. They gotta go out and be athletes. Let them play multiple sports. Um, let let them it's only going to help their athleticism overall realistically um but on on top of just that where you know they're getting different movement variability right their movement library is increasing and increasing instead of only knowing how to do the same motion over and over then they they have to get strong so that that goes back to the beginning of this talk that goes back to the assessment talk got to get kids in the door with the right people and they have to be doing the right training so they can support their body in, in order to throw that that often for that
0: long. So I was watching um, the Little League World Series regionals and I'm probably sorry, they were on ESPN this past weekend. Yep. And um, I haven't really sat down and watched Little League baseball in a long time. And the reason why I haven't watched it is because I feel like if you're 12 and you're still playing on a 60 foot field <laughs> yes. At this day and age, like, what are you doing? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And shame on yeah. Little, shame on Little League for not changing the rules. Um, I mean, I kind of know why they do it, but you know, you not you're not gonna get all the better The better players are playing at the age of 11 and 10. They're playing on a modified baseball field with 50, 70 yep. Leads, steals, pitching from the Learning stretch, the game. drop mm-hmm. third strikes, heavier bat. Like, I mean, so I'm I'm watching it. I'm watching it, and I'm like. This is this is not good. This is not good. I have seen better ten-u baseball. This is 12 and under. Yeah. So, I obviously more of the uh the better more skilled more serious 12-year-olds and 11-year-olds are playing other baseball, not Little right. League. Right. And I, you, what you made a point, you said play multiple sports. But most of these kids that are playing competitive competitive baseball, if you miss the fall season, you may not be able to get back in on a team next spring. It happens. It, it's that it's that pressure. It's that. It I, mean, it, it, I because there are plenty of kids that hey, I want to go play basketball. I want to go play football. But like I'm, some of, and some of them are coming from a Saturday football game and going and playing a doubleheader on Sunday. Yep. Like you just got banged around as a fourteen-year-old or whatever on Saturday on the football field, you you know you need that day to recover.
1: <laughs> you, you absolutely need that. And yeah. then
0: and then now you're now you're, you're you're on the you're on the dirt
1: for yeah. a doubleheader
0: Sunday, which you know I don't I don't know I mean and the kids aren't at fault it, It's hard it's hard to tell a parent Or a kid, and you're you're one hundred percent right. They need to play multiple sports. They need to recover. They need to give those those throwing movements a break. But if I do take this break, and I'm, I'm, and this is just me speaking as them, if I take this break, my son or daughter may not be able to, I feel like she'll be too far behind. Now you and I yeah. both know that that's not the case. It's not the case. <laughs> They're not gonna be behind. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people have this fear of missing out.
1: So they yeah, have they have, their,
0: they have their kid, they have to be in everything. So when we talk about arm care, you know, I guess the opposite of that would be overuse.
1: Oh, 100%. And that's that's why so many injuries are happening at at the young age like this. Um, And I'd like to make a note on on what you said about, you know, the parents are the ones that have this feeling of the kid missing out. And the kid might also think, you know, the kids want to play, but they also want to, you know, play with their friends. So like, if all their friends are on one team and they go to play football and then they can't be on that team, they feel bad about it. But I think more often than not, I mean, you have these parents that are, they're just living vicariously through their kids. And you know, if their kid is not on the A travel team, but like, you know, Johnny's on the A and then their kid has to be on the B. And then they started thinking about, you know, how their athletic career wasn't what they wanted. Now they want their kid to, you know, be able to shine in the spotlight. But they're, they're not thinking about the fact that <laughs> your kid is a kid and, and you're putting that body on the line if you're not making sure you're doing the right thing. Um, and, and playing that much baseball in a given year where it's spring, summer, fall, and then winter practice nonstop, something's going to break down. So parents have to take a step back, look at the situation, realize their kid is a kid, and, and and do what it takes to make sure they're taken care of so they're not 14 years old, you know, getting put under the knife.
0: So I think youth sports culture, currently the way it's structured, does not provide the, an ample opportunity time-wise For athletes to get the proper training, because most people are just too busy—just
1: playing and that's it.
0: Yeah, and traveling to play. Right. <laughs> um, right. And so, for example, like the, the the athlete that the casual athlete who's just kind of playing for fun. Is probably never gonna want to seek out a throne program. They're never gonna seek. They're never gonna seek out arm care. No. And yet, there's more of those athletes that are casual, and they probably need. They probably need it more than anyone else, right? So, but then you have the quote-unquote so-called elite athlete. There's not as many of them, um, but they're so freaking busy that they're not gonna be able to do it. They're, yeah, I'm interested in that, but like, when am I gonna do it? we got right. this on Monday, we got this on Tuesday, we got this on Thursday, we got that, you know, and then we got we to gotta, we gotta get on a plane Friday, or we got to drive six hours to a tournament on Friday, and then by the time we get back Sunday, we need Monday to just catch up on, like, schoolwork and sleep. Yep. So, everybody everybody has, like, a three- or four-day week, to be honest. So, how do we, and, and, and now I'm going somewhere now, how do we help athletes to incorporate the throwing program, the arm care, the band work, Provided by Rapid, and if I want to do it under the care of Rapid and under the direction of Rapid and and the professionals at Rapid, how do we get that done?
1: So it's really just about prioritizing what's what's important, and health should be the number one thing, right? If we're not if we're not healthy, if we sustain injuries, then we know that okay, I'm not even going to be on the field, so. All those tournaments and games and everything aren't going to matter if I'm hurt. But um, in the off season, let's say you know through the fall and winter, there should be time that everybody can find, even if they play multiple sports or whatever's going on, to get in for you know at least two days of training. You know, take one day on the weekend, try to find one day during the week. Even if you come in for an hour each time, it's better than not doing anything at all. Um, now if for whatever reason that's so problematic because you know parents have multiple kids and there's so many different schedules and getting kids this place that place and the other place is very difficult um you know we we have a pretty expensive video library where you know we have exercises on there when it comes to arm care and doing cuff work and making sure you get the right type of activity for arm care in um that, that people could have access to we do distance based programming so if people realize that they can't get in on a regular basis that happens but come in for an assessment get the information that you need to make sure you're you're going to be healthy okay and then we can do a distance-based program where we communicate with you we give you the work to do you just got to find a matter of time to get it done on your own Um, and for youth athletes that might be something as simple as spending 30 minutes two to three nights a week going through the proper sort of cuff work or or arm care program at home just getting maybe you know some some light dumbbells that we can do some er strengthening with some band work that we can groove some patterns with um there's always something that can be done we know that people are busy but health has to be a priority and no matter what's going on or how busy everything is um there, there's nothing more important than it than a child's health or youth athlete's health so Make sure you, you do what you got to do to make that the number one priority. So a lot of people are going to utilize different sort of bands, whether, you know, crossover symmetry, Jaeger bands, stuff like that. Even if you go to a physical therapy clinic and you just get the TheraBands that they use, um, just doing, you know, rotator cuff ER and IR and, and different sort of, you know, movements that that are prescribed on those certain programs, just doing them is not really enough. They have to be done right. So too many times you see a kid go up to a fence at a game and he clips on his Jaeger bands on there and then he starts flailing his arms around like a chicken with his head cut off and he thinks he's doing arm care. And it's instead it of being more problematic and doing more harm than good. Um, there has to be intent with these things that are done. Uh, just like any proper strength training program, you have to do exercises properly and execute them correctly, um, especially with the arms, shoulder, elbow, that health is so important and learning how to do it the right way even if you have to you have to seek out a coach in order to learn how to do it, it it's going to be for your benefit we have to make sure that when you do any sort of band program that you're you're standing in an athletic position right you're, you're keeping your core locked in in a certain position so so the abs stay on we're, we're able to isolate the arms so we can move through nice and slow and controlled internal and external rotation so we're actually using the rotator cuff. You know, you'll see kids that do like a band pull apart and then they, you know, they start to extend through their upper back and they look like, you know, Superman pulling his shirt apart where their chest is sticking out and their arms are flailing, their head sticks out and you're creating all of this tone in, in the neck and you're letting your humorous fly forward and then you're actually not getting better at all. You're probably getting worse. So any tool that you use can be beneficial, but there has to be the right intent. You have to do it the right way. So... Seek out the knowledge in order to do so, and then this way you're actually taking
0: care of your arm properly. Sounds good. I want to thank you all for checking out our human performance series on the Transcending Sport podcast. Also, to commemorate the partnership between myself and Dynamic Kinetics, we are offering a discount for all purchases made at dynamickinetics.com. When you type in the discount code CG plus at checkout you will get a discount on your entire order.